Today's gospel lesson comes from John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26, from the message translation. I'm praying not only for them, this is Jesus speaking, but also for those who will believe in me because of them and their witness about me. The goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so they might be one heart and mind with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory you gave me, I gave them. So they'll be as unified and together as we are, I in them and you in me. Then they'll be mature in oneness and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and loved them in the same way you've loved me. Father, I want those you gave me to be with me right where I am so they can see my glory, the splendor you gave me, having loved me long before there ever was a world. Righteous Father, the world has never known you, but I have known you, and these disciples know that you sent me on this mission. I have made your very being known to them, who you are and what you do, and continue to make it known so that your love for me might be in them exactly as I am in them. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. It is the um, season when I have time before worship that I can actually get out onto Main Street and pray for cars and people driving them as they drive by our church. And uh, it's always a wonderful community that is created in that split second moment out there on Main Street. Um, And I'm praying for people. I don't know how God will answer those prayers, but I'm just on our behalf blessing folks. And I'm very grateful that Nathan and Matthew came out and joined me today, and we were all blessing whoever was driving by. Um, I I was praying for one guy as he was driving by, and with both hands, putting his tie on. (laughs) Maybe he was late for church, but I was praying for him. And another person I was praying for, I I saw, they they came through the intersection in Van Doren, and they had one of those... Um, signs on the top of their vehicle, and I wondered if it was a pizza delivery person. It was a driving school. And as, I, as they drove by and I prayed for them, I could see the instructor in the passenger seat kind of saying, yes, for me, for me. <laughs> Prayer something that we all do, it's something that we all grow into and out of and into again. Prayer in hospital settings is usually much more heartfelt than perfunctory prayers said at meetings or at dinner tables or when we're praying in a hospital it's usually pretty serious, and people are usually way out of their comfort zone and longing at a very gut level to connect with God. It is, it is our joy as pastors and our privilege as pastors to pray with people, and the congregational prayer team also prays with people in hospitals, 
but you don't have to be a professional prayer to pray with someone. Uh, when we're praying in a hospital, I'm very aware that the screen that separates one hospital bed from another, one patient from another, is a very thin screen, and that everything we are talking about is overheard by someone who's in the room but on the other side of that screen. And so when I'm praying with, with one of you, I'm very aware that the person next to us may also be in need of prayer, and so I incorporate prayer for everybody who's in need of healing. And sometimes I pray for the doctors and nurses who are caring for someone in the hospital. And sometimes that public prayer is overheard by the person who's not a parishioner. And if the parishioner is on the window side, and I'm walking through to the, to the door, very often the person who's in the, the bed that I've not met, I don't know, will catch my attention and either say, thank you for your prayer, or would you pray for me, or bless you, Father, they'll say. Or what happens is if I go back the next day to pray with that same parishioner and that person is still there, I have discovered that our parishioners have started a conversation about spirituality or about faith with their neighbor because they, because in my visit I have outed them as a Christian. Their pastor came to visit, which opened up all sorts of conversation. And if that is the case, then very often one of our parishioners introduces me to their friend, their roommate, and we'll have conversation together. And sometimes I'll say a prayer, we'll open the curtain, and I'll take both of their hands as we pray. And community happens because someone overheard a prayer. When I was serving on the, the team of chaplains at the Somerset Medical Center many, many years ago in the coronary care unit, that was my unit, I would be called in whenever someone would code six. Whenever someone's heart would stop beating, I would get a page and the, the, the doctors and the interns and the nurses and the chaplains, we would just descend on that room to care for the family and to care for the, the patient. If there was no family, my priority was the family at that time. Um, if there was no family, I would just go into the room where the doctors were working on a patient who had stopped breathing, and I would just simply quietly pray for the patient and the doctors and the nurses. And we were in that balance between life and death, that fragility of life. Some of those doctors got to know me for showing up in the coronary care unit, and on the QT, they would seek me out, kind of like Nicodemus seeking Jesus out in the cover of darkness, and they would say, um, Pastor, can, can I have a word with you? And I would say, sure. And they would say, let's just find some quiet place. What they were saying was, where none of my colleagues 
will see me talking to you. Because in some medical circles, it's not cool to be seen as a person depending on prayer. Huh? And they would say, they would tell me their problems. They would say, here, can you pr please pray for me, for this situation, for this patient? But don't tell any of my colleagues that I'm talking to you. And it, it was wonderful, but it opened me up to realize how prayer is perceived as a last-ditch effort, as almost a sign of weakness in this case, in the medical community. And I soon learned that a lot of doctors are people of prayer, but they don't want to publicly acknowledge that. Overhearing someone's prayer. I was at a phone booth at Teze. The phone booths are all made of glass, and there's three phone booths connected to each other, and a gap at the top and a gap at the bottom, so you really can't help but hear what the conversations are in the, in the phone booth next to you. Allison, you remember those phone booths? And I happened to be calling Julie, and another religious leader was right next to me in the phone booth, and I couldn't help but overhear his conversation. Maybe he could overhear my conversation. But at the end of his conversation, he was talking with his daughter. His daughter was 24 at the time, and his daughter was going through a difficult time. And I could hear my colleague say, Honey, can I say a prayer with you? And he prayed out loud over the phone with his daughter. My kids were very little at that time. And, and it gave me a glimpse of, oh, this is another glimpse of what parenthood looks like, faithful parenthood. But it, he wasn't praying for a parishioner. He was praying for his daughter. And I was overhearing it, feeling somewhat... Um, like I shouldn't be there hearing this sacred thing. But I was, and it was a teachable moment. I was overhearing someone pray. Today's scripture is about Jesus praying, and the disciples are overhearing him. They're hearing him in a very intimate moment with his creator, and he's praying out loud to his creator, but he's praying about the disciples, and they are hearing this, and so too are we. For Jesus was praying for us, and we who heard the scriptures read from the Gospel of John overheard Jesus praying for us. And this is what Jesus was praying for. He said, God, Father, just as you are in, in me and I am in you, God, 
make them part of our relationship. Not only the disciples, but all who follow after them, make them all part of this relationship that we share. Jesus was praying to bring us into a holy relationship with the Trinity and to be that intimate, that close, that connected, that much in the flow of God's outpouring to one another from the Creator to the Redeemer to the Sustainer to the Creator to the Redeemer to the Sustainer and Jesus in this prayer is saying, I want them to be a part of this. And then he prayed for his disciples and for us. That we be one, one, one with God, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. As we'll learn next week at Pentecost, one did not mean uniformity. It meant unity. There is a difference. Uniformity is everybody being the same. On the birthday of the church, on Pentecost, we will read in Acts 2, the early church was not uniform. They were not all alike. They didn't speak the same languages. They didn't have the same complexion. They didn't have the same cultures and customs, but the Holy Spirit made them one. And they experienced a unity. And that is Jesus' prayer for us even today. A divided and splintering denomination. A church that when we visited the World Council of Churches in Geneva had 30,000 expressions of Christianity, 30,000 denominations, and growing because we can't figure it out how to hold it together. And Jesus watches over that and loves us nonetheless, but prays that we discover some way of being one even when we are not uniform, one. If you desire, like I desire, to be part of that flow of the Trinity, part of that intimate relationship of God the Creator, the Redeemer, the Sustainer, then perhaps our prayer is, Come Holy Spirit. Would you pray that with me? Come Holy Spirit. That is who brings us into oneness with God. That is who brings us into oneness with each other and with our brothers and sisters in United Methodism. 
It is the Holy Spirit that brings us out of the buildings of our churches to communities that need us to represent the Christ. Would you pray that with me again? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen.